I am Locutus of Borg. Your podcast, as it has been, is over. From this time forward, the Muck Pod will adapt to service our interests in the program you call Star Trek. The knowledge and experience of the humans, Crane, Simon, Animator, and Marchant Joshua, Animator, is part of us now. You will surrender your time and attention. You will be assimilated into the Trekkie Collective. Resistance is futile. Podcasts. The Final Frontier. These are the discussions of the podcast MuckPod. Our first year mission to chat with the talented folks who help us make cool stuff. To podly cast where no cast has pod before. It's time to talk about Star Trek. I hope it won't be a train wreck. Simon and Josh take it away. Happy first contact day. Oh my goodness. That's not oh an easy my... register to sing in. That was <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about it, and if Gene Roddenberry can make up terrible lyrics to a song that was never meant to have them, then so can I. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Those are not worse than the lyrics that Gene Roddenberry made up. Not actually. Really. I relooked at them, and uh, they're clearly written from the point of view of some. Uh, some lover that Kirk has left behind. Right. It's like saying, come back to me. I know you'll probably meet some hot space chick who has ways of loving that I can't imagine, but remember me. <laughs> yeah, right. Very goofy. Yeah. Uh, hopefully a good way to, or a bad way to start us off yeah, uh, yeah. on our first Contact Day special, our second annual Star Trek yeah, Day this is podcast. Two. This is our Wrath of Khan of Star Trek podcast. I guess it is. Yeah. First Contact Day 2 with the very classy Roman numerals. That's instead right, of just that's a big right. dumb two. <laughs> yeah. um, it's also the first year anniversary, essentially, of the MuckPod. Yeah. Because when we started uh, a, about a year ago, we were so eager to get out and talk about some Star Trek that we immediately uh, did a bonus episode yeah. after the release of our first one. That's right. To line up with First Contact Day and just talk about Trek for hours. Yeah, which was good, though, because the, I think the First Contact Day mm. gave us a deadline. Exactly. And in, in fact, it actually pushed it, it pushed us to bring out our first episode, the episode with Alex and uh, Ryan. Yeah, it gets so, you it gets you, you know, out of the planning phase that's right. and into you've just gotta do it and get it done yeah. out the door. And gave people a taste of uh, you know, what we're like at our worst, right, at our know, most yeah. self indulgent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I will say the feedback from that episode was mostly pretty positive. Great. People were saying, you know, uh, podcasts are a friend simulator and they like hearing people talk about Star Trek. Sure. I've seen that from a few different, like, uh, you know, podcasters and video uh, YouTube channels where the person's really into Star Trek. And you'll see comments being like, I've never watched a single Star Trek episode, but I love hearing you guys talk about it. Something about Star Trek. It's interesting. <laughs> right. It makes you think. And I guess that makes for interesting discussions. I guess so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, oh, I well, I also just want to mention, like, we've been planning this for a while. Yeah. 
I yeah. I personally have been thinking about it for months. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if it was before. It can't have been before the end of last year. But at, since the start of this one, I've been thinking it's coming. Yeah. First contact day is coming. And we've got to do something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year's one was kind of a Star Trek primer, if you like. Yeah. It was us discussing it. Um intentionally keeping in mind that most of our listeners will not have watched much star trek might not have an interest in it so just having a discussion of a few of the basics here's what all these different star trek terms mean when we talk about them that's right and also uh how sort of we got to know each other through star trek uh so we wanted to do something different this year Mm -hmm. uh we've even done the courtesy of listening back to not only that episode but i've gone and listened to all the episodes that I know that we had an extended Star Trek discussion. Oh, right. Okay. The, okay. the catch-up ones, I know we talked about um, some Star Trek with Dane recently. So I just wanted to cover our bases so that we're not um, repeating all the same information and anecdotes. Yeah, I'm glad you did that, actually, because I, I listened back to the original episode as well. Yep. And there were some things that we didn't talk about, and mm-hmm. I was like, I was sure we had brought them up in the podcast. Right. Obviously, it was in other sections where we you know, self-indulged or indulged yeah. ourselves to just go and, and and talk about Star Trek instead of animation. Well, perfect. That means you you know some, you've got some fresh things to talk about this well, episode. Well, uh, here's the thing. Let me know if I do cover um, old ground. I'm sure we're going to tread on a bit of it, but sure. we, we won't just be having the exact same discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Something new. Uh, so to start us off, um, we're going to do something that, uh, that trickies and non-trickies uh, both hate, which is a clip show. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, uh, I've compiled a group of clips uh, for us to enjoy, uh, not from Star Trek, but from okay. Star Trek-related uh, shows. Ah, Mostly, okay. it's clips of um, uh, cast members of Star Trek appearing on other shows. Love it. Uh, so to start with, I've got... Um, a number of clips because there's so many good ones. I haven't clipped the whole thing, but I've got a, th- a few of them from the Futurama episode where no fan has gone before. Yep. This is the classic episode where they got almost all of the original cast. Uh, so to play heads and jars. To play heads and yeah. jars, which is how Futurama um, does celebrities, That's right. which I think is fun because the caricature good. is mostly just the head. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I don't know where they got the idea for um, the. Uh, the heads in jars. At the end of this one, I don't have a clip of it, but uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy does sort of complain, I'm living in a gefilterfish jar. <laughs> uh, so clip one, this uh, sort of sets up that Star Trek is a forbidden word in in the world of Futurama. Fester said he was taking a brief nap, so we only have time for six movies. Let's take these six Jim Carrey movies and record over them. You know what six movies average out to be really good? The first six Star Trek movies. <gasps> Everybody hit the deck! <gasps> Shh! Those words are forbidden! What words? Star Trek? <laughs> I will say he's right. The well, first six do average out to be very good. That's right, that's right. Yeah, that was not that was definitely uh, written by someone in the know. I think so. Right. Um and uh I was just thinking about it. I don't know if I was thinking about this directly, but they have a Star Trek alarm. When someone mentions Star Trek, red alert goes off That's and everybody right. everybody dives down. Um, now, this next clip, they sort of explain uh, the history of why everyone is so afraid of the word Star Trek in Futurama. Perhaps we could hear more about these forbidden words from someone with a sexily seductive voice. 
With pleasure. You see, <laughs> the show was banned after the Star Trek Wars. You mean the vast migration of Star Wars fans? Uh, no, that was the Star Wars Trek. By the 23rd century, Star Trek fandom had evolved from a loose association of nerds with skin problems into a full-blown religion. And Scotty beamed them to the Klingon ship, where they would be no Tribble at all. All power to the engines! As country after country fell under its influence, world leaders became threatened by the movement's power. And so the Trekkies were executed in the manner most befitting virgins. He's dead, Jim. Ah! He's dead, Jim. Ah! He's dead, Jim. Finally, the sacred texts were banned. The last copies of the 79 episodes and six movies were dumped on the forbidden world Omega-3, along with that blooper reel where the door doesn't close all the way. Thus, Star Trek was forever scoured from human memory. Another classic science fiction show canceled before its time. Uh, I believe that line is in reference to the fact that Futurama knew it was being canceled right. at that time. Yeah. Um, some really great jokes in there. Uh, classic Futurama wordplay. The Star Trek Wars and yes. the Star Wars Trek. Beautiful. Very, very good. I, I do take exception to the uh, nerds with skin problems comment because it's true. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The show, interestingly, completely ignores all the other Star Trek media. Like they say, the six movies, the 79 episodes. I'm like, what about Next Gen and DS9? I guess for the sake of this episode, they're focused on the original series. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, Star Trek has become a bigger thing, but even when Next Gen was out, most pop cultural references referred back to the Captain Kirk Sort of it was era. easily the most uh, the most recognized. Yeah, everybody knows Kirk and Spock. Uh, I'm going to go through quickly and just look at a couple of these uh, sign gags because uh, starting with The Simpsons, Matt Groening Productions love a good sight gag. Uh, the Church of Trek has a sign out front that says, the sci-fi religion that doesn't take all your money. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. They got yeah, away with that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, inside the church, they have a sign, Ceiling of the Christine Chapel Closed for Renovation. Oh, nice. C uh, Christine Chapel being the nurse. Yeah, that's right. Played by Majel Barrett, uh, Gene Roddenberry's wife, second wife, I want to say. Uh, and when um, we see Germany, and they're renaming their country, uh, Nazi Planet Episode Land, formerly Germany. Because <laughs> there's the classic episode where they find a planet that has based their whole society around Nazism. Okay. There's yeah. a number of episodes where the plot of the episode is, we found a book describing this period in human history, so we've decided, okay, that's what we're doing. Yep. And you're like, there's the one, A Piece of the Action, which is their gangster episode. Yes, I remember that one. And you're like... You read about this, and surely the textbook is describing it was violent and horrible and didn't work. But no, we want to do a goofy episode society. where everyone walks around in fedoras, yeah. flipping a coin on their finger and, you know, telling people to scram, sucker, and so on. I guess that was the, the uh, challenge to the Star Trek writers. Like, the makers of the show said, we have sets. It's all gangsters. What can you do? Yeah, that's why they did them, because yeah. it was cheap to make. We have um, the Paramount backlot. Can we do a cowboy episode? Can yeah. we do something with that? Here's our next clip. Uh, this is Leonard Nimoy. Uh, Leonard Nimoy's head in the Head Museum. <laughs> why did the world turn its back on our obvious greatness? I'm literally angry with rage. Your co-stars may be gone, but we can still get those episode tapes back for the whole world to see. Come on! Oh! Yes! Front row. 
Uh, for those who couldn't see, uh, that was um, Fry taking Leonard Nimoy's head off the shelf and Jonathan Frakes. What's his rank? Commander Riker? Commander Riker. Yeah. Commander Riker yeah. sliding in. Yeah. Frakes is game for anything. You ask him to show up and say something as Riker and he'll be there. That's right. Well, Frakes is just, yeah, he is in he, the weeds of Star Trek. He's like, Mr. He's Star in Trek. in the DNA of Star Trek now, yeah. And, and actually, yeah, that fits... Perfectly, because uh, Leonard Nimoy was, you know, the number one to Kirk, and Frakes was number one to Picard. Yep, and, and Le- Nimoy went on to be a director. I was going to say, followed in his footsteps. I would say even more so, because he's been directing for years, while he was still on the show. Oh, Frakes has, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, he's directed yeah every type of Star Trek there has been since The Next Generation. Uh, except the, the Kelvin movies, but he did the Next Gen movies. Hmm. Um, he's even done The Orville. Yeah, he's, he's done Orville. It. He's done... Just about any of the new Star Trek related things. Yeah. He's directing because he's yep. dependable. He's yeah, good at what he does. Yeah. That's, well, they had this thing in, in uh, Paramount where, uh, you know, if you were on Star Trek and you were, you know, there every day, it's kind of like a school where they can train you yeah. to become a director. So that's what he did. He mm-hmm. just he continued the Paramount training and went on to become one of their directors. A lot of the stars um, went with that program to get a directing credit to hopefully go on to something if they were interested in directing. The one actor I know who got kind of screwed was um, Alexander Sadig on Deep Space Nine. They don't get to choose the episodes they direct, and he got assigned a famously hated episode. Um, I believe it's Profit and Lace. Okay. That's the one where it's a very, very farcical episode uh, where Quark gets a sex change for shenanigan reasons. It's not very good. It's not what he wanted. And because the reaction was so poor, he didn't get another chance to direct. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, or not fair enough. I was going to say, it's kind of unfair, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very unfair. He didn't write it. The writer's the guy who should be, you know, yeah. And it was a weird episode. It was. All I can think of is, is Quark with the little ears and stuff like that. And even Quark. Like like um, what's this his name? Armin Shimmerman. Armin Shimmerman seemed not that comfortable. I'm sure, and yeah, and it's a it's a bit of a gender essentialism story, you know. The second I think he, as soon as he becomes a woman, he starts like, oh, I'm having all these feelings I've never experienced That's before. Right. It's like we we we're all we all have the same emotions. Emotions, yeah, I know. We're the same guy. <laughs> yeah. Though people have pointed out, like, hey, it's an interesting uh, and you know, potentially very positive future where a sex change is as simple as one, two, three in the future. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, you expect that from the 25th century. You'd hope. Um, yeah. Here's our next Futurama clip uh, with Leonard Nimoy's head meeting the rest of the crew who now mysteriously have their bodies back. Bill! L dog. Hey, this is wonderful. Oh, man. I feel like hugging you. Well, I would, except you have no body. <laughs> and we're both men. <laughs> Michelle! George, Walter, DeForest, Welshie. Welshie? We did some musical reunion specials in the 2200s, but the guy who played Scotty had trouble yodeling. Ever since then, Welshie has been a welcome participant in our escapades. Aye, do I want a mad one whirl? That can't be, <laughs> that cannot be real Welsh. <laughs> well, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, good joke, Welshie. Yep. They couldn't do... Irishy because well they already had Chief O'Brien sure who they sure. gave a they didn't give a demeaning nickname to yeah yeah apparently James Doohan's uh, agent simply said uh, no we're not doing this oh really which is a bit of a shame uh, and it, it's funny that they said that when everybody else had said yes I know you'd think that it would be I don't know a team thing and it's just recording a line 
though I will, I did Google the dates on this, and he was three years away from uh, from his death. Okay. So maybe he wasn't in the best of health. Yeah, Who maybe. knows? He himself might not have um, even had a chance to see the script or agree. His agent might have just dismissed it out of hand. True. So I mean, his, he could have said to his agent, no more Star Trek stuff. Yeah, maybe. And they, then they didn't consider that, yes, this is Star Trek, but it's also Futurama, which, you know. Which is... Big show. Well, it was... I think it was well-liked within nerd circles. I yeah. Th- I think people tend to overestimate how pop, wide mainstream these shows were. It never quite reached Simpsons level, and even The Simpsons was always popular, but never the most popular thing on TV. Right. Interestingly. Uh, also, DeForest Kelly, who played Bones, had passed away by this point, so he is present for the episode, but he says nothing. Okay, right. Which right. I I don't ha- feel one way or the other about. I guess it's respectful. They do have Maurice LaMarche uh, as a regular uh, guest on uh, the Futurama series, and he's a great impressionist known for... Well, mostly his William Shatner impression, but he does do a McCoy. They could have got him to do it. Yeah, you I know. think so. I th- and I th- also, I think it kind of ruins the Welshy joke. Yeah, you know, yeah, you say exactly. One guy didn't come back. Eh, it was Welshy. It was Welshy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I this this is not a um, Star Trek joke, but uh, this is the introduction of Melvar, the uh, the evil space uh, entity. Who's doing all this for you? You know, we never thought about it. We're famous celebrities. We're used to this sort of treatment. It is I! Oh, wow, what a cheesy effect! I'm not an effect! You, you doubt my power? power? I do! It's one of my favorite <laughs> jokes when they introduce a new character and instantly kill them, and the characters act as if it's this huge loss. <laughs> well, she! Beautiful. Here's the next one where uh, Melvar, the evil space thing, he's like a glowing green cloud, which is a classic sort of TOS way of making a quote-unquote alien. Uh, he explains his, his plans. Behold another power, different from the one you saw earlier. Hey, a body. Buff? Tan? Yeah, this is mine all right. All right, you gas. What's the deal? Centuries ago, the videotaped adventures of the Enterprise crew rained down upon my planet. Over and over, I watched them, especially the five with the energy beams. I am Melvar, seer of the tapes, knower of the episodes. Tremble before my encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek. I feel like that's probably something we've said before. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely poking a f- finger at the Star Trek fans, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think anyone's trembling at our knowledge of Star Trek. <laughs> Maybe with disgust. Yeah, I think Roxy trembles. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I do love the joke of Leonard Nimoy uh, declaring that his new body, which Melvar creates from, ah, oh, buff tan, <laughs> yeah. that's mine. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy knowing for being a bit of a pasty dude. That's right, yeah. yeah. Fit, yeah. but not exactly in super duper robust sure, shape sure he's not hitting the gym no no not exactly uh here's um uh here's a clip where melvar uh introduces his plan to uh melvar plans to keep them in an endless star trek convention cool a star trek convention uh, uh melvar can you give us some idea of how long this is going to last until, until time, time stops, stops. Oh, you can't do this now we have a full schedule of events. Ah, uh, can people who hate Star Trek leave? Good question. No, you have to stay even longer. Do you know if Walter Koenig hates Star Trek? I haven't heard anything about that. I don't that. think he does. I think he's 
I, 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 likes it. I did Google a quote, and I think he said that he enjoyed his work on Babylon 5 more because he got more to do. Yeah. Mr. Chekhov is not one of the most well-rounded characters. Absolutely. There's yeah. a lot of characters on the original series who are just kind of, they're there to say, sir, there's something coming up on screen. Yeah. Um, there's a funny clip of him behind the scenes on Generations where, you know, he's justifying showing up to collect a paycheck because it is the Shatner uh, meets captain picard movie yeah but scotty and Chekhov show up at the beginning of the movie before kirk is transported in time and uh in this interview he's going well no one page is about uh Chekhov, but i think i bring a sort of a um uh i'm bringing you know something to uh and it's like you can just say you were there to get paid that yeah, is for fine sure. yeah get paid walter look we're happy for for any of the original cast to show up absolutely you know um, in, in fact it, that was one of the things that was missing from generations was that it should have been all the original cast you know and all the next gen cast but they just didn't like like you said only only kirk Chekhov and scotty showed up for interesting interesting well we're going to talk about generations we later will on indeed. In this, we in this. will indeed this is a parody of a classic i'm slim shady ah. yes i'm the real shady all you other slim shadies are just imitating so won't the real slim shady please stand up Please stand up. Please stand up. How can you do a spoken word version of a rap song? He found a way. <laughs> it's great that it's Maurice LaMarche because that's another one of his famous bits. Before the internet, um, I mentioned before that he'd, he would do his uh, impression of the Orson Welles outtakes, which was one of those things that was traded and passed around. And I think it's the same for the Rocket Man uh, song that All they're right. parodying. For those right. who don't know, William Shatner was at the... I believe it was like the science fiction uh, awards ceremony, something like that. And they had him do a spoken word version of Elton John's Rocket Man. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple clips here from that, if I may uh, interrupt our Futurama clips, because it is, it has to be heard uh, to be believed. This is one of my favorite bits. Just him talking the lyrics. It's very awkward. Mars ain't the kind of place to raise a kid. In fact, it's cold as hell. And there's no one there to raise them. If you did. And all this science, I don't understand. I love the, that line at the end. All oh, this science. I don't understand. <laughs> he just sounds so confused like an yeah. old man. Why is he doing a duet with himself? I do sort of have an answer. Because um, I, I, I wanted to know, he's been talked to enough that he would have spoken to someone about this. And he says that, look, I don't know why they decided to go this way. But the way he thought of it was the version sitting on the stool is meant to be Frank Sinatra. Okay. That's his Sinatra. The 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 one on his uh, screen right is meant to be Captain Kirk. Okay. And then there's a third character, and he's my favorite. It's uh, the wild and crazy party guy who shows up. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Oh my God. The touchdown <laughs> brings me around again to find I'm not the man they think I am. Oh, 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 oh. I'm a rocket man, rocket man, burning out his fuse out here alone. And I think it's gonna be 
long, long time. And I think it's going to be long, long time. It's weird. It's extremely yeah. it, weird. It reminds me of, you know, when you take a photograph and they say, now do a silly one. Oh, you're and right. That's the silly one. Yep, yep. And as he has said, uh, Shatner said in interviews about this, he's like, look, this was in the days of TV. You never thought that what you were doing was going to be seen again. So who cares if Fair. it's a little weird or strange, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that said, he has since, obviously, he's doing it on the Futurama episode. So he's in on the joke. But I discovered that uh, more recently, he's actually done a, a whole album of him sing talking through songs yes and there's yeah. a there's a music video that i'm going to show you a couple of clips from it starts off with some um frankly very like um i'm gonna say porn level acting <laughs> okay do you think we're alone i don't know there must be something out there yeah i guess i wish someone would just send us a sign is this the real life is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. It feels like he's purposely putting on the weird, right? Yeah. It's a couple lying on a a, a, a fake CG hill. They're they're on a green screen or something. Weird flat acting, <laughs> and then <laughs> to say the least. And then Shatner's face appears in the sky. So it doesn't actually look like they even filmed William Shatner's face like no it's a JPEG and it's like they went into Adobe put some puppet pins on the side of his mouth and his eyebrows to give him something approaching an expression yeah. very strange weirdness on top of weirdness uh going back to uh, Futurama this is the crew performing something that I'm sure they got requests to do a lot which is read a fan script a bad fan script alas my ship whom I love like a woman is disabled Oh, Lord. Fascinating, Captain, and logical, too, that we need some help. Look, Captain, Melvar will help us. Captain, I hope he will help our vessel. Wessel! No. You're not acting hard enough! Melvar, you have to respect your actors. When I directed Star Trek IV, I got a magnificent performance out of Bill because I respected him so much. And when I directed Star Trek V, I got a magnificent performance out of me because I respected me so much. Brilliant writing. Uh, Chekhov putting W's where they don't belong. Um, I think that particularly started with Star Trek IV. I think so. There's the Wessels. Nuclear scene, yeah. Wessels yeah. is the big joke. And yeah, I can understand Koenig being pretty sick of that yeah yeah because they never played his accent for for jokes in no. the original series roddenberry probably wouldn't have wanted that because yeah. you know he was trying to do a unity message about yeah. hey the russians they're not all bad sure so doing cheap jokes about how they talk might not have been it might have been doing a disservice sure um here's another great clip that um if you watch enough star trek you do begin to notice this uh about their writing Usually on the show, someone would come up with a complicated plan, then explain it with a simple analogy. Hmm. If we can reroute engine power through the primary weapons and reconfigure them to Melvar's frequency, that should overload his electroquantum structure. Like putting too much air in a balloon! <laughs> of course! It's so simple! I'm pretty sure they've used that exact analogy right. in a Star Trek episode. Probably. Uh, and here's the payoff to that gag. It's not working! He's drawing strength from our weapons! Like a balloon and something bad happens! 
Classic uh, oh, Fry being dumb line. I love Futurama. Here's the last clip with the uh, Kirk giving a thoughtful speech about their adventure. I wonder, my friends, was he really such an evil energy gas? He did give us eternal youth. 24-hour laundromat? A full assortment of rum, both spiced and regular. Truly, it was a paradise. And all you had to put up with was one really annoying Star Trek fan. Let's get the hell out of here. Ha. <laughs> perfect, perfect line to go out on. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that they have had many of those in the past. And we, you and I, we keep on our toes to make sure we're not being those annoying fans. As much as, as, much as it is possible for a trick yeah. not to be annoying. Yeah. Um, another show that uh, wanted to do a tribute to the original series, even lesser known than Futurama, was Duckman. Do you, are you familiar with I the am, show at all? Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, Alexander, oh, Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander, that's it. Voices yeah. Duckman, great voice. Mm -hmm. uh, can't have been easy because he screams through most of the episodes. And once an episode, they give him like this diatribe, this long, angry rant uh, to give. It's very like the speech from Network. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. He's just right. yelling about something going wrong with society. Um, it was made by Klasky Kachupo, who are better known for uh, things like Rugrats and the Wild Thornberries. A very particular and an, I think a lot of people's view not very attractive like house design style. Sure. Weird, lumpy looking humans. Uh, this show was designed based on a comic book by uh, Everett Peck, I believe his name is. So it's got, I think, a slightly more interesting style than those other shows. Sure. Um, so this is their tribute to the original series. Uh, now, see if you can name that actor, uh, Simon. Okay. Welcome to the Pleasure Planet. My people derive great pleasure performing acts which give you great pleasure. Simply ask for anything of a pleasurable nature, and it's our pleasure. Kids, you can stuff the Prime Directive where the solar system don't shine. We're talking orbital orgy! Careful, Captain. This may be a trap. Oh, of course! A trap! That's what's happening here! We're trapped! A planet of mouth-wateringly gorgeous, horny women want us to pleasure them in every bizarre, self-indulgent manner we can think of! And it's a trap! Why couldn't I see it? As you can see, Aurora, my crew can use a little R&R. &R. <laughs> Pretty obvious who that actor is. That's the great Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, but, of course. But the the actor you were talking about mm -hmm. was Mar Marina Sirtis. Marina Sirtis, yeah. 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 Doing basically the exact same accent. Yeah. And strangely, I think they they largely only get her for that one line. Maybe there's really? one more. Okay. It's very small. And the way that Futurama, I think, quite cleanly just focused on TOS and didn't even acknowledge the other stuff. This is a original series parody, but they got a next-gen actor right. because I guess they were available. Uh, I will say it is nice when a parody is like, you know, making characters play other characters and they fit into those roles really well. The loud, brash duck man is very good as Captain Kirk. Uh, his buddy Cornfed, the pig, uh, he does talk with that flat monotone even in regular episodes. So he's perfect as oh, Spock. Great. yeah. And um, Art DeSalvo is the character. He's like a slimy con man voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. Just lovely to hear his screaming voice whenever we can, but good as the hot-blooded bones. Yeah, yeah, very good. In this next clip, you're going to hear Tim Curry. He plays King Chicken, uh, Duckman's uh, self-appointed nemesis in the show. Uh, and in this one, he is Khan Chicken. <laughs> uh, there's also another Star Trek actor, and I'll be interested genuinely to see if you can pick out okay. this one. What kind of Federation chicanery is this? Yeah, what kind of Federation chicken? Hey, wait, I'm with the Federation. 
<laughs> I always get them confused with the Kiwanis. I am Kardashian. Hey, get your own wacky scream. Greetings, your skunk-headedness. I am Duckman of the Big Federation of Planets. My mission is peaceful. So how's about you return us to our ship so we can continue our futuristic flybys? I think not. For decades, my people have observed you primitives battling each other across the vast expanse of the galaxy, and frankly, we're sick of it. Plus, I got Khan at 20 to 1, so I stand to make a mint. Are you saying you want us to engage in fisticuffs like common barroom barbarians? Correct. Okie dokie. Oh. Direct hit to the old dilithium crystals. <laughs> Who do, All right. who do you think that was? I'm going to say that that was René Aubergenois. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, that's not okay. a bad guess right. based on the voice he's doing. It's not his regular speaking voice. That was actually James Doohan. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah which yeah. is very... It yeah, was okay. a real surprise to me, uh, considering that he was not a part of the uh, Futurama episode, but he was in this yeah. for a bit of a thankless role. He's a big talking head. Um, his his line readings are not the greatest. It sounds like, you know, he was one and done. Right, yeah. Um, I looked at the dates. This episode aired in 97, the Futurama episode in 2002. So there's only okay. five years difference. But This he, is the one that broke his back after this. He's like, no more trick. The thing is, I was reading his Wikipedia article and it said that, look, he found it difficult to get work after Star Trek, a bit yep. like Batman, you know, everyone just associated him with that role. So he made most of his money doing personal appearances or things related to Trek. Mm. Also, the James Doohan alien floating head uh, lists his, gives his name as Kardashian. I was like, that's very interesting and a weird choice. They didn't have to give him a name at all because he's such a small character, but it sounds so close to Cardassian, mm. which is a regular race on Star Trek. It probably would have been established as a race by 97, surely. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, because, you know, Next Gen started in, what, 89? Something yep. like that? So the Cardassians yep. were already around. These days, people make that joke about Cardassian sounds like Kardashian. Kardashians. Keeping yeah. up with the Cardassians and all thing, that. The Kardashians, yeah. like the famous family, yeah. they weren't a thing at this stage, were no, they? No, no. It feels, it feels like just a very strange coincidence. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have one last episode with another surprise uh, Star Trek actor and a little bit more James Doohan. Congratulations, Captain. Quickly now, kill your enemy. Get up, Khan. I've emasculated you enough for one day. Let's show them we can stand side by side. There. You see, Kardashian? Compassion, forgiveness, generosity. These are the things that make humans unique throughout the universe. Also cosmetic surgery. Enough! To our surprise, you have demonstrated the capacity to rise above your petty differences and unite against a common foe, proving that your race is the most dangerous in the galaxy. Therefore, Earth must be destroyed. Damn! I just weather-stripped the patio. Duckman, the Earth is no more. All right, let's not get all weepy about this. The important thing is to make sure our stories agree when we get back to Federation space because they are gonna be pissed. But if you cover my butt, I'll cover yours. All right, Duckman. Whatever you say. You know, Khan, if I learned anything from this little charade, it's that you may be evil and I'm merely sleazy, but we have a lot in common. We both really hate getting killed. More than that, Duckman, Chu and I both care. Yes, we do. We're passionate people. 
Yes, we are. I've always wanted you. I know. Mm. No! Oh. oh, man. That's the last time I have a head cheese hoagie before bedtime. <laughs> For those listening in, Beautiful. that was a live-action clip of Leonard Nimoy waking up from a dream yeah. uh, of con chicken and Duckman Kirk about to kiss. Yeah. I was just noticing that uh, Tim Curry was giving Khan a lisp for some reason. I don't think that Ricardo Montalban uh, had a lisp at all. Not the, not a big one that I noticed. I don't think so. I wonder in another, like when he was on Love Boat, did his character have a lisp or something? Maybe. Maybe it's some other reference that I'm not yeah. quite getting. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I have another little fun fact about James doing this is off the point, but right. you know the old uh, Star Trek, uh, the Vulcan hand live long and prosper thing yeah. that I always put in my post every morning when, yes. I, when I sign in. James Doohan couldn't do it. Um, uh, oh, of he, course. He was in uh, I, I, a war? World I think War II. Been, was it World War II, was it? It was, yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, okay. But he had his fingers blown off, or at least one finger on his hand blown off, so the salute was not for him. You can see it in one episode in the famous uh, The Trouble with Tribbles. There's a scene where he's holding a whole bunch of Tribbles in his hand and I think maybe they usually gave him a prosthetic but in that right. one clip you can see that he's missing his ring finger on one oh, of his okay. hands. Okay, alright. Uh, the Simpsons got Leonard Nimoy a few times. Leonard Nimoy seems like uh, a good sport. Yeah. He's willing to do um, he's willing to do a lot and make fun of not only the show but more than that usually his own public image yeah uh so this is him from uh the simpson episode where they kind of cross over with the x-files and they have leonard nimoy do the intro because why not hello i'm leonard nimoy the following tale of alien encounters is true and by true i mean false it's all lies but they're entertaining lies and in the end isn't that the real truth the answer is no. <laughs> this is really when The Simpsons was firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Like, every line of that is so funny. Yeah. Just him constantly contradicting himself. Um, it also reminded me of... Um, Jonathan Frakes was the host of a show called Beyond Belief. Oh, yeah. Where he's, like... He's in a similar, like, scenario with, like... It's, like, dark and shady. There's eerie, mysterious music. He's, like, in front of a bookcase. And uh, this clip recently went viral. Uh, Jonathan Frakes telling you you're wrong. <laughs> I love this. Uh, for 47 seconds. We won't play the whole thing. It's false. No way. Not this time. We created it. Not this time. No. Not this time. It's totally made up. Pure fiction. We made it up. We made this one up. It's a made-up tale. It's a total fabrication. And and Hilarious. so it goes. Hilarious. There's another great supercut from this same show where it's Jonathan Frakes asks you things. Oh, okay. I guess it's like to start off the episode, he would like pose a question like, have you noticed how many restaurants are theme chain? Do you ever bicycle? Do you like lollipops? Just bizarre <laughs> things. Uh, I've seen people post that and say like, uh, me on a first date, yeah. trying to get to know someone. <laughs> Carrying on with our Simpsons clips. This is from another classic. He got in on all the best ones Nimoy did. This is from... Uh, Marge versus the monorail. Turn things over to our Grand Marshal, Mr. Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> I'd say this vessel could do at least warp five. <laughs> <laughs> and let me say, may the force be with you. Do you even know who I am? I think I do. Weren't you one of the little rascals? The way that he says little rascals <laughs> stays with me. Uh, this is him later in the same episode. Uh, a really clever joke about Leonard Nimoy his public persona. Actually, you see, the doors on Star Trek were not mechanical. 
We had a stagehand on either side who would pull the door open when he saw you approach. Uh huh. I love that this Leonard Nimoy loves talking about Star Trek and is eager to tell you about all the little things that went on behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm sure in real life they were absolutely sick of those nerds. That's what's lovely about this scene, because you know that that was their life, answering those stupid questions from nerds, I right? Mean, everyone knows the famous scene from The Simpsons where uh, a nerd puts his hand up to ask some question about a tiny animation error, and Homer uh, retorts with, uh, why would a man who wears a shirt that says genius at work spend all his time watching a children's cartoon show? Very good. It's those kind of nerds who are asking the actors. It's like, yeah. they're not the people... In the show. That's they don't right. know how the ship works. They just show up and read their lines. Yep. Most of the time, they're just pushing buttons at random. This is another clip from The Simpsons um, parodying not the old series, but a really, I think, clever parody of uh, the Star Trek movies. Captain's Lock, Stardate 6051. Had trouble sleeping last night. My hiatal hernia is acting up. The ship is drafting and damp. I complain, but nobody listens. Star Trek 12. So very tired. See the original cast in their latest, greatest adventure. Captain Klingon's off the starboard bow. Again with the Klingons. Mr. Scott, give me full power. It's no good, Captain. I cannot reach the control panel. It's one of my favorite clips of The Simpsons of all time. It's great. I absolutely love it. it they've got the red Admiral's uniforms, which is correct and good. Uh, yep. And yeah, just making fun of the fact that it is kind of crazy that this franchise was helmed for so many years, this film franchise, by elderly people, basically. Sure. Um, that's um, Hank Azaria as Shatner and also Sulu. People often refer to Azaria as the master of accents because, well, he has voiced a lot of characters that he is famously not a part of. And that's become something we're more sensitive to these days. And right. maybe we don't do anymore. This, this is like the Apu exactly. situation, isn't it? Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, he stepped down from doing the voice of Apu. Yes, which honestly, I don't know how he feels. But as you get older, maybe voicing fewer characters is not yeah. such a bad thing. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I always thought that Apu was a bit of a weird kind of character like it felt like, I think that like the, when I was a kid watching it I'm kind of going that feels racist but people say The Simpsons is smart so I guess it's not but it, it definitely started out as a stereotype just yeah. the Indian convenience store clerk um, I think the writers the various showrunners were some of them were more aware of that than others so they purposely went out of their way to do episodes to develop Apu as a character yeah, okay, to show so that The Simpsons actually love this guy and I think Azaria is good in the role. Yeah. In the same way that uh, James Doohan is good in the role of Scotty, the accent is not accurate. Right. And we know that. Yeah. But they're they're fun and lovable in the park. Sure. Um, also, uh, this is making fun of the fact that James Doohan got significantly heavier as the movies went on. You know, in the original, he's as skinny as anybody else. But in the movies, he is a heavy fellow. Can be honest, if I can be honest, um, I like fat Scotty. Yeah. Like, when I picture Scotty, him... Older, heavier, and with the mustache. That's how I think of him. Yeah. I think I think he's lovable. I, I agreed. In fact, when I... Because I, I was aware of the movies sort of before the original series. And when you look back at the original series, it's like, who's that guy playing Scotty? Because right. he really physically looks quite different. Honestly, a mustache is a big part of it. Yeah. Facial hair changes yep. the landscape of your face. Absolutely. Uh, Jonathan yep. Frakes, when he put in that beard, became a new man. Know it. A much better looking man. Mm. Uh, these are the last clips to do with the original series, I promise. Look, they were around for a very long time. Yep. As you say, it was the most well-known part of the franchise, so people really tapped them to come and do stuff. Uh, this is Ricardo Montalban as a recurring evil bad guy on uh, the Saturday morning show Freakazoid, made by the same people who did Animaniacs and Tiny Toons. It's sort of um, 
they were having success with those wacky shows and also Batman the Animated Series. So they said, why don't we do a comedy superhero? Mm. Uh, and this is Ricardo Montalban. If I don't have a phone line lickety split, I shall squeeze you. And I shall keep on squeezing you until all your man juices run dry. <laughs> they love giving him weird lines to read and squeeze you until your man juices have run dry is very strange. Uh, this one, I have to say, I've tried to take clips that are mostly funny because of the dialogue, so it's not completely boring for the people listening. This one is visual. It's uh, Freakazoid and Ricardo Montalban's character, who, I'll be honest, I've forgotten his name, uh, watching black and white film. He calls them bloopers, but they're really just like little comedy gags from, like guess, silent films, but... Just listen to Ricardo Montalban commenting on it, like it's America's Funniest Home Video. Very oh, funny. Right. Now this jaunty fellow is going his merry way when suddenly, look what happens, and he doesn't even realize it. Hey, chubby boy, where is your donkey? Here, two men are trying to get into the same pair of shorts. Now look at this duck. It's just a duck. Oh, no, my friend. It's a plain old duck. No, it's a very special duck because there is a guy in it. Here, a giant boy scours a Dutch village in search of cheese. I want cheese, cheese, my friends. This chap is new to the farm, and he thinks this is the way you milk a cow. And the funny thing is, it works. <laughs> Look, Gutierrez, we really should get back to the show now. Oh, just one more clip. This man is giving his wife kissings and lovings when suddenly his broker calls and he has to go talk to him. Then a monkey appears, and he starts to kiss the woman, and she thinks it's the guy. Look out, woman, it's a monkey! <laughs> Hilarious. Just fun to hear yeah. him say insane things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricardo Montalban is um, game for a laugh. You know, I think on a very serious show like Star Trek, it's best to have a bit of a sense of humor about it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what they say about all the actors, is as soon as the cameras go off, they're cutting up, because they need a bit of relief from... The seriousness of it all. Uh, this is uh, from a Cartoon Network show, I Am Weasel. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yeah. It was a sister show to Cow and Chicken. Um, yeah. It's about um, a weasel. David Feist, the creator, said he wanted to... Uh, he created a character to subvert the traditional idea of a weasel. He's actually very noble and heroic and intelligent and paired him up with this idiot baboon, IR baboon. Oh, that's uh, it, yeah. And uh, you'll probably recognize the actor uh, who voices Weasel. <laughs> Madam, I am a full-grown weasel with a PhD in subatomic particle physics. I am only doing this to please my half-wit friend. Oh, and he talks, too! You must be so proud! No, I am baboon! That was uh, Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn, right, yep. right, right, right. A great, rich voice, and you didn't necessarily hear it in that clip, but... He, it's fun hearing him play Weasel because Weasel gets to be a little more enthusiastic than uh, Worf. Worf's whole thing is that he's very flat and calm and doesn't give away too much. Whereas Weasel's catchphrase is just him, like, heroically shouting his name. I am Weasel! Yeah. <laughs> it's really good fun. Uh, Dorn has had a pretty good voiceover career. He's had a few different roles. He voices all of the Martian Centurions, sort of the stock bad guy on uh, the Duck Dodgers cartoon yeah. show based right. on the Looney Tune. Earth is defenseless. Now is our time to strike. Excellent. We'll pummel their cities with our antimatter rockets. Bring the weapons online. No. I mean, now is an excellent time for my robot brothers and I to go on strike. We haven't had a cost of living increase in years. 
First you destroy the earth, then maybe we'll discuss having Sundays off. Power to the workers! Great fun. They yeah. also got another uh, TNG alumni to show up on the show. I, I believe that the people who made Duck Dodgers were big Star Trek fans. Yeah. The way that the bridges on the ships are set up, it's it's Star Trek. Mm. There's a guy sitting in a command chair. There are other people at panels telling him, here's what's going on. Here's what's coming up on sensors. Sir, we're being hailed and all that. Uh, Duck Dodgers did a number of parody episodes. I know there's a famous one where they just do, for no reason, just, you know, something different. They do uh, a parody of Samurai Jack in the style with no outlines and everything. It's a real cool style. Wow, that ship. sounds great. This one is uh, them doing uh, the Green Lantern, uh, and uh, the the bit is that Daffy. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Duck Dodgers. They never call him Daffy in the show. Uh, there was a mix up at the laundromat, and he got. Uh, uh, What's his name? Hal Jordan's uh, Green Lantern ring. And so he's become a part of the Lantern Corps. And it is, uh, they get John DeLancey, a.k.a. Q, as Sinestro. Step forward. Did you come here alone because you are the bravest Green Lantern or the most foolish? That question's come up before. I'll get back to you on that in a day or two. <laughs> that won't be necessary. Hey, you know, in person, you really do look like the devil. Oh, sorry, big guy. Go on. Then I will recreate the universe as I please. All will kneel before Sinestro. You gotta follow your dreams. There may even be a place for someone like you in my new reality. Join forces with me or be obliterated. Okay. Don't be such a sanctimonious fool. You don't realize the... Did you say okay? Yeah, sounds good to me. Ground floor of the new cosmic order, baby. Really? Oh, wait. You had the whole hero-villain seduction speech worked up, didn't you? Uh, no, 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 no. Well, maybe a little. <laughs> you see, most heroes aren't so easily swayed. Then sway me, Jackson, sway me. I wanted to highlight that because I'm sure the reason that... Uh, it feels very much like something Q would say. Yeah. Like, Q is used to Picard giving him sanctimonious speeches about how he'll never, you know, join with him or use his evil powers for his own benefit. But Daffy Duck is just a venal, self-loving little cretin. So he's That's like, right. yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> great, great stuff. Um, speaking of the Next Generation crew, a, a lot of them uh, ended up on uh, the show Gargoyles. Have you ever seen yes, this? Yes, yes, yes. This is a Disney yep. show. It was their answer to Batman. Yeah. And I found a few clips from a behind-the-scenes sort of uh, thing to get people excited for the show. Uh, Jonathan Frakes introducing sort of the series and his character. I'm Jonathan Frakes, one of the actors helping to bring the new animated series Gargoyles to life. I play David Xanatos, the rich powerful businessman who seeks to exploit the might of the gargoyles yes. for his own purposes. Trust me, we will never trust humans again. And you should also probably be able to pick out, that's Keith David as Goliath, the, the main gargoyle. Yeah, who's Keith David? Keith David, he's, uh, well, uh, he's known for a few live action things. He's in uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay. Um, but he mostly does, uh, he's very well known for his voices. He's got a he's got a beautiful voice. Yes, and uh, Jonathan Frakes is the bad guy of the show, David Xanatos. Again, probably fun for him to play against type, not yeah. being a hero. He's very much the Lex Luthor of the show. Uh, He's this powerful industrialist who uh, wants to use the gargoyles for his own means when they won't join him. Uh, the fun thing with him is at the end of just about every episode he's in, when it looks like he's lost, he picks up his cell phone and uh, 
I don't know, call somebody. And he goes, yes, it's all going exactly as I planned. He's always got um, a way out. Yeah. He's always thinking 10 moves ahead. He's a really fun villain. Excellent. Uh, here's another TNG cast member introducing themselves and their character. I'm Marina Sotis and I play Demona. Demona is the bad gargoyle. She's the one that... Uh is totally opposite to all the other gargoyles. Demona is the evil one. The thing that I noticed about that clip is how checked out Marina Sirtis looks. <laughs> Maybe it's early morning, but her stare is about a million miles away. Funny, and the best thing she can think yeah. to say is she's uh, the evil one. <laughs> <laughs> she's a great character and she's good in the role, but it's funny. It's really weird that with, with Marina Sirtis, like, as you see her go through Star Trek, you get the feeling that she checks out a little bit more as it goes on. But when she talks about it, she said she loved making Star Trek. And she sure. was just, like, absolutely gutted when it came to an end. I'm sure. But, I, you know, playing the same character in the same role for, you know, basically a couple of decades. Yeah. You're going to check out a little. Yeah. And I think, it's, yeah, it is one of those characters, like, like Troy was kind of one of those characters that you know, it wasn't Picard or Data, so it sort of got left to the wayside as the movies Though, continued. The thing about Next Generation, and we'll talk about Next Generation later, um, it, it did give the other characters, here's an episode all about you. Yeah. Because they did t like in 22 the, episode series, seasons, yeah. so yeah. everybody had a chance to shine. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I think the I think the way that they sort of, um, I don't know if she discussed it, but the way that she maybe uh, convinced herself to stay on longer is she gradually just dropped the accent. Yeah. She has this like faux Greek accent. And by the time you get to the movies, you're hearing her English accent underneath the way you heard her in that clip. Uh, I wanted to share this clip of, uh, it's just cute. Jonathan Frake sort of explaining the animation process to regular folk. Bring these mythical creatures to life. One of the most impressive production teams ever assembled for an animated series is hard at work. Master animators and storytellers stretch the limits of their imaginations with dramatic visuals and suspenseful adventures. Get her! They are the new defenders of the night. Gargoyles. Hey, he makes animation sound really exciting. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> wow, every day we're stretching the limits of our imagination. Yep. And, ooh, it's definitely not sitting in front of a desk for hours and hours, is it? Um... There's another clip I wanted to share from Gargoyles, just because they got so many people. Uh, this is from one episode. Um, this is uh, Brent Spiner as Puck. In the right. universe, uh, Gargoyles are real and Faye are real, and they're kind of they're kind of opposing forces. Uh, Demona, voiced by Marina Sirtis, has captured Puck and is uh, forcing him to use magic uh, for her own ends. Yes, Puck. I want you to get rid of the humans. All of them. Does this look like Aladdin's lamp? I have limits after all. What is it you really want? That's it. That's what I want. If you cannot get rid of all the humans, then at least rid me of that human. Elisa Mazza. Did you say that human or that human? Oh, never mind. I'll figure it out. This just might be fun after all. He's huh. great. Yeah, that's amazing. He's yeah. a real trickster, sort of, as Faye are. You've got to be very careful about how you word things. Okay. Um, I think it's a good use of Brent Spiner. Uh, yeah, Brent Spiner, to people at home, is the, the commander data. The android. Yeah. Yeah, so the a android. lot of his acting is extremely flat, very neutral. Uh, and sometimes you can feel that he's pushing against that. And when he gets a chance to do something other than that, 
he goes a little too wacky, Jim Carrey, big and loud. But I think he works really well here. As He's really good there. Impi- um, impish evil puck. Did he do other uh, animations? No, Not well, many that I could find. Right, okay. I'm sure he did random assorted things. Yeah. Um, Seems I know like my- such a good fit for it. Like especially having like. Like a recognizable face. Like everywhere he goes, he's got Data's face. That's yes. going to be a problem. But uh, yeah, if he's you know, good for animation. Work, yeah. um, we, we've covered Michael Dorn doing quite a few things. I know he shows up in an episode of this. I couldn't find a clip of it easily. And we've heard quite a bit from him anyway. What I did find, strangely enough, is Patrick Stewart was never on Gargoyles. But here he is on Robot Chicken voicing the main Gargoyle. Hear me, Xanatos. You have gone too far, and tomorrow I will end you. Goliath is coming for you. One more stone sleep, and then my fury will be unleashed. Uh, For those of you at home, yes, pigeons show up and start crapping on the statue. He turns back in, after his big speech, he turns back into a statue of a gargoyle and gets covered in bird shit. Yes, the the, the highbrow comedy of Robot Chicken, everybody. Um... So that's got to be deep cuts, though, right? That's them. That's Robot Chicken saying we know that a lot of next gen people voiced gargoyles. I think. I think probably when they realized they couldn't Keith, get Keith David back, they thought, "Hey, wouldn't it be funny to get another next gen guy who was not on the show?" Yeah, uh, which is which is cute. Um, uh, are you familiar with the show uh, The Critic? Mm. This was uh, yeah. made by uh, Al Jean and Mike Reese, two of the showrunners. They got an overall deal with Disney to produce a show, and so they made uh, The Critic, mm. which is about a movie critic voiced by Simpsons regular... Um, oh, I'm going to forget his Jay name Jay Sherman. Yeah, um, his character is Jay Sherman. Yeah. Like it or love it. John Lovett. You're right. It's John Lovett. Uh, and this is them. Uh, they would often set up movie parodies, be- him being on a, uh, a movie review show. Uh, here's a great clip. Our next film stars Keanu Reeves and Christian Slater in Star Trek Generation X. <laughs> Space. Big deal. All right, you two. Who wrote Beavis and Butthead Rule on the back of my skull? Not us, man. <laughs> hey, aren't you the dudes from the TV show? You know, that space thing? Will you please try to stay in character? When will people stop going to Star Trek movies? That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's great. Christian Slater and uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, and they're just doing Jack Nicholson. There's a joke in that show where uh, there's a fake movie where Jack Nicholson and Christian Slater are in a movie, and Jack is huh. accusing him of stealing things. Like you copy everything I do, but you're not me. <laughs> it's great. And Christian, I wonder actually, did that come out before Star Trek Six? I I couldn't tell you off the top oh, of my no, head. Yeah. This show because was roughly in the The reason 90s. I'm asking that is because um, Christian Slayer showed up in Star Trek. He did. Um, we might have mentioned this in the podcast that his mom was the casting director. Mm-hmm. So, yep. You know, Little, a, a Nepo baby. Nepo baby. <laughs> um, the critic did a couple other bits with uh, Star Trek. Uh, there's also a completely visual joke where they go, uh, and now back to Hee Haw, the next generation. And for those of you who don't know, Hee Haw is like, it was a variety show, a country-themed variety show where they would often have, you know, musical acts and corny jokes. Um, if you've ever seen on Family Guy, sometimes they'll go, uh, and now Mr. Conway Twitty, and then cut to like two minutes of Conway Twitty singing to what? eat up time in the show. <laughs> those clips are from Hee Haw. Okay. That's what they do on the show. Um, and Hee Haw, The Next Generation, they're just square dancing. Mm. And they're good caricatures. Worf is hand boning and stuff. It wouldn't mean anything to people listening in, but you can you can YouTube it if you want to sure. see that. 
Um, speaking of Family Guy, uh, Seth MacFarlane, as we know, is a big Trekkie. He yep. loves Star Trek. Uh, so here is a clip from a Star Trek convention. When Scotty rematerialized on the Janolan, he referenced Captain Kirk still being alive, which is ridiculous because he knew he watched him die on the Enterprise B in Star Trek Generations. There's a perfectly simple explanation. He was caught in a transporter pattern buffer for 75 years, and Riker mentioned a .003% signal degradation, which would account for Scotty's memory loss. Well, well, look what we have here, Jonathan. Yep. Looks like we got ourselves a couple of nerds. <laughs> Great. Uh, Jonathan Frakes and Patrick Stewart show up to beat up the nerds talking about stuff. That's so good. The reason I love that clip is because, to me, that conversation they had made perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've had that conversation. I'm sure we I have. I know I have anyway. But it, it's you. that's how you can tell that these... This isn't like the Big Bang Theory, where you can tell it's written by people who don't know nerd culture yeah. and are just putting words into their mouth to be like, aren't they stupid? Uh, this is... Uh, you know, that's an actual episode of Star Trek, and that is a canon uh, continuity issue with the movies. Mm. Uh, very clever. But they still get to have their cake and eat it too because they get to make fun of the nerds and beat Absolutely. them up. Absolutely. Uh, I also love that there's a, a, a regular Family Guy version of Patrick Stewart. Yes. Brought over from American Dad. Right, yeah. They they just cast Patrick Stewart and caricatured him uh, as like the head of the CIA in that show, which is great for Patrick Stewart because he just gets to come in and say silly lines, kind of like Ricardo Montalban on Freakazoid. It's fun to hear them say goofy things. Yeah. Uh, this is from an episode where Stewie... Uh, basically being a Seth MacFarlane stand-in, is a big fan of the next generation, and uh, he kidnaps them via transporter. It's them! I did it! The cast of Star Trek The Next Generation is here to answer my questions! What the hell? Where am I? What's going on? Greetings, everyone. My name is Stewie Griffin. I've transported you all here against your will. I'm a huge fan, and you're going to answer all my questions. But you're a baby. Yes, that's right, Denise Crosby. <laughs> that was a warning. Please do not speak unless you're spoken to. Now, question number one. What's it like on the set? The show's been off the air for 15 years. Although I will say it was an awful lot of fun. You know, when Patrick wasn't hogging the limelight. Oh, you, Michael. 15 years later, you've still got that attitude. My favorite joke is that they did get Denise Crosby, who played uh, Tasha Yar, uh, who was the security officer on, in the first yep, uh, right. season. Yep. Uh, the show was not doing great, and she thought it was holding her back from movie opportunities, uh, so she asked to be killed off, uh, which is a shame because it was just before the show took off. And like I say, 22 uh, episodes a season, seven seasons, they would have written some great Tasha Yar stories. Mm. They Luckily, you know, they, they found ways to bring her back, which is nice. But I like that uh, for this Family Guy parody... Uh, she gets to say one line and then Stewie blasts her with a Klingon disruptor. Exactly, yeah. Very cute. Because her character, Tasha, gets killed unceremoniously in mm. the episode that she gets, like, just for no reason. They, yeah. just, they just killed off that character. Yeah. I actually heard that she stepped down because Doran wasn't supposed to be a, a main cast member and as they got through it, they realized we got to keep Doran, got to make him a cast member and then we got to get rid of somebody and Denise... Like, it, it, she did think it was not going anywhere, so she kind of put her hand up and said, I'm not really about this. I'm going gotcha. to step back. Yeah, um, yeah. So we kind of... I don't know how much true... How, how true that is, because, like, like, like literally, Worf's character replaced uh, Tasha's job on the spaceship. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. But um, that's what I, I heard that. that and I could understand that. Like, I don't know how many characters that would have been, like, eight leads. And you're like, uh, and this show's not even that great. Uh, maybe I'm just going to jump ship. Yeah. 
I understand it. Uh, here's a little bit more Family Guy. Stewie taking them on a big day out at a bowling alley. All right, everybody got your bowling shoes? Everybody got your balls? I don't have my shoes. Jonathan, we were just up at the counter. Why didn't you get your shoes? I don't have my shoes either. What the hell? You need your shoes to bowl. Now, why exactly can I not wear my loafers? What is the danger there? Because, Patrick, because, Patrick, those are the rules. Well, I think it's just because they want another dollar fifty from me. All right, I'm putting our names in. Brent? No, no, don't put Brent. Oh. Put Rock Kickass. I don't know how to change it. I already typed it in. For mine, put Dirk Diggler. I'm not going to put everyone as a fake name. How do you want to do the teams? How about the white guys against the black guys? Patrick, don't be an instigator. I have to pee. Brent, take Michael to the bathroom, please. Okay. Look at me. I've got girl boobs. <laughs> couple visual gags there. Uh, Brent Spiner takes Michael Dorn by the hand <laughs> yeah. to go to the bathroom. And Patrick Stewart is holding two bowling balls in front of his chest. Yeah. The, the running joke is just they're acting like very difficult children. Yes. Which is uh, apparently how they were on the set. I've heard that. Yes. Uh, like the second, like right up to the second that the camera was rolling, they were goofing around. Uh, because I imagine it was a pretty difficult uh, show to shoot. So they wanted to let off some steam, but yeah. not much fun for the directors. Yeah. Um, I always used... I've had this exact experience. I don't want to put on some other shoes that a million other people have worn. It's kind of disgusting. Gross. Uh, and uh, everyone wants a funny fake name. And you're like, come on. You've got three letters to play with. Oh, ass. Very creative. <laughs> uh, and this is the end of the uh, Family Guy episode where they're being sent away and Stewie is kind of sick of them. This whole experience was absolutely exhausting. You people have ruined Star Trek The Next Generation for me. You are absolutely the most insufferable group of jackasses I have ever had the misfortune of spending an extended period of time with. I hope you all... Die. I still have five prize tickets from the carnival. There was nothing for five tickets. We've been over this. Well, but Lavar and I were going to pool ours for the fuzzy troll pencil topper. Oh, yeah? You gonna share that? Yeah, we were gonna share it. Really? How's that gonna work? Three days at my house, three days at Lavar's, and alternating Sundays. For a pencil topper? I have to pee again. That's it. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think it's an necessarily a popular opinion, but... I think Seth MacFarlane's a very funny voice actor. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah. the exasperation in Stewie's voice as he's, re as he's reacting to these people, it's great. Yeah. You know, people, I, the show sometimes can get into areas of taste that I'm not always uh, a fan of, but the quality of the voice acting, really good. Yeah. I think that um, Alex Borstein, uh, who plays Lois, has been, you know, a really dependable uh, member of the show, and she finally won a... Uh, recently won a primetime Emmy Award for the role. She's showing up, doing good work every day. Mm. She's funny. Yes, she's great. Say what you want about Family Guy, but the voice acting cast is rock solid. Mm. We've done all our TNG stuff. Now, once you get outside of TNG, very few people know or pay much attention to Deep Space Nine and yeah. the other series. So this is a rare clip of a Family Guy doing a Deep Space Nine gag. We now return to Star Trek Creep Space Nine. There's a woman unchanging, and the Deep Space Nine station is outside her window. Ah, she saw us! Warp speed! Now, one thing I want to point out is that the Deep Space Nine station could not do warp speed. No. They had thrusters, so they could move about slowly here and there. If they wanted to get closer to the wormhole they were stationed outside of, they could move that way. But... An entire space station moving that fast at warp speed. Not going to happen. So just point, putting on my nerd hat for that. Uh, here's another uh, Deep Space Nine clip, which I saw when I was younger. I, I had this episode on DVD, but I didn't get it at the time. Wasn't a Trekkie yet. My God, this poor fellow had relations with Lois. That's more disgusting than my cousin Quark Griffin. 
I'm watching your every move, Quark, so don't think you can get away with any law-breaking. Yeah, yeah, whatever, man. I mean it. You'll have me to deal with. Ooh, I'm really scared. I could morph into a giant python and eat you alive. Hey, here's an idea. Why don't you morph into a guy with something interesting to talk about? Uh, that's Stewie as Quark, my one of my favorite Trek characters with the giant ears. And that is René Aubergineau as Odo. Yeah. Good for him. Well, there you go. Like, I mean, there's no doubt Seth MacFarlane is a Trekkie. We've talked about this before, yeah. but Rene did a few uh, voice things here and there because he's got an interesting voice. Yeah. He was the, he's the singing chef in The Little Mermaid, of all things. Um, I have one last, and I do mean last, clip. Uh, this is the only Voyager joke that I could find. This is uh, from The Simpsons. They're watching Star Trek Voyager. Okay, we're recreating our series finale party for Star Trek Voyager. Oh man, I thought I was strong enough to get through this again, but I'm not! <laughs> oh, Captain Janeway, your mission ended too soon! <laughs> now the visuals are great they've got dr hibbert dressed up as tuvok the uh the vulcan the first black vulcan that we saw in the series mm-hmm. uh and lenny is rocking the uh seven of nine sexy space babe there outfit um though a couple of things i wanted to point out uh just about this clip is um they're having a very emotional reaction to an episode that is not emotional i have seen the voyager finale it's just it's called Endgame. And it's about Janeway, old Janeway, going back in time because she's convinced that she could have got them back to Earth uh, from being stranded, which is the premise of the show. She's convinced she could get them home years earlier if she goes back in time and alters the timeline. It's a very action-heavy episode, so for these guys to be openly weeping... Right, right. And also, Homer says, um, your mission ended too soon. I was like, they did seven seasons. Seven seasons is how long Deep Space Nine and Next Generation got. It was pretty standard. That's a lot of adventures. Yeah. I don't know if it was too soon. I wonder, is it because the idea was that it was supposed to take 75 years to get the Voyager home, but they actually got home in seven? I mean, I don't think that's what he's saying. He's saying he wanted the show to go on much longer and have many more adventures. Well, he's more invested than I am. Yes, that's a very Homer thing, isn't it? Like, love the bland one. Exactly. Um, So, those are all of the clips that I arranged. Fantastic. Bring in a bit of a animation into this star trek episode. well exactly <laughs> we've got to justify this time spent somehow yeah huh? what happened we've managed to free ourselves from the collective what's the status of our viewership dropping fast and their patience is reaching critical levels do we have the power to interrupt the transmission yes but by next week they will have regenerated enough to resume control of the show i'll take that chance on your order sir mr crane Cut! <laughs> <laughs>